2 Corinthians chapter 4 will be in verses 16 through 18. And I love that song we just sang. It's such a, a, a peaceful song, a song in the midst of whatever storm, whatever suffering you're facing, whatever you're going through, to, to know that, that Christ is a solid rock on which we stand, that Christ is a sure and a steady anchor, no matter what the winds may be like, no matter what our suffering may be like, our, our sickness, the persecution, the wars that are all around us, Christ is a sure and steady anchor. We see that this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. We read these words, starting in verse 16. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Let's pray together. Lord, we ask that, Lord, by your great grace and for our joy and for your glory, Lord, that you would help us see our suffering as you see our suffering. Lord, that you would help us see the lives in which we live in light of eternity. And Lord, that you would turn our eyes away from what's right in front of our faces, from the pain, from the sickness, from the suffering that we might behold the glory of Jesus. That, Lord, we would turn our eyes upon Jesus this morning and look full in his wonderful face so that the things of earth will grow strangely dim. Even our suffering in the light of his glory, in the light of his grace. Lord, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't lose heart. Keep your head up. Better days are coming. Sometimes people say things like this so easily, don't they? Like it just rolls off the end of their tongue so effortlessly. Maybe when they're standing there at the visitation line or they're standing on your front porch with a casserole dish because you've been sick had a child. There's a lot going on in your family. They mean really well. That They really love you, but all their words sometimes feel easier said than done. Even if they're brothers and sisters of our church. Even if they're quoting scripture. When, when we're blinded, when all we see is our suffering, when all we feel is our pain, sometimes words fall short. You know, they say, for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose, even this car wreck you just had, even this cancer, even this loss you're experiencing right now. Or James chapter 1 Brother, you should just consider it joy. You should be happy about this. Consider it joy when you face trials of various kinds. 
Consider it joy. I mean, this sounds a lot more like don't worry, be happy than God's word. If all you're seeing is your suffering. If all you're seeing, you're, you're being blinded by the, the pain that you're currently experiencing, the suffering that you're currently facing. Maybe that's how you feel this morning when I read that passage a minute ago. Maybe Paul's words feel a little heartless to you in the midst of your suffering. Maybe it seems like Paul's a little tone deaf to those who are being persecuted, to those who are facing war, for those who have lost a child, those who've walked through cancer. Paul seems like he might be missing it this morning. So we don't lose heart? As my dad used to say, What's this we business? You got a mouse in your pocket? He said that my whole life. It's easy for you to say, Paul, right? It's easy for you to say, Paul, you're like the super pastor, apostle, Christian. Like you're always walking with Jesus. You're always close to Jesus. It's easy for you to say, you're not walking through what I'm walking through. You're not facing what I'm facing. And while it's true that Paul's not walking through the suffering that you're facing, from an earthly perspective, Paul has every reason to lose heart. I mean, he'll say later in chapter 11, he says this. Listen to this laundry list of suffering. He says, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death, Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, dangers from false brothers and toil and hardship. Though many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure of my anxiety for all the churches. This is the one who tells you don't lose heart today. Who's going through a lot more suffering than I ever could even imagine. And yet he tells us, the Holy Spirit, God's word tells us this morning, God's people, do not lose heart. So what's the difference between the Apostle Paul and me? What's the difference between the Apostle Paul and you? Why does it seem like Paul never loses heart and I'm falling apart all the time? Why, why is he sorrowful yet always rejoicing, but I seem to be drowning in my sorrows? The difference is all too often I am looking at the world around me and I'm looking at my suffering while Paul is looking at the glory that is to come and looking at Jesus. Paul is looking at the glory that is to come. He's looking at our Savior. And so the only hope for you and me today is to have an eternal 
perspective that is consumed with the glory that is to come. To have an eternal perspective that is consumed with the glory of Jesus. So what does it look like for us to have an eternal perspective? That's our question today. How do we see things from 10,000 feet from God's perspective? How do we see past today, right now, to 10,000 years from now? Well, three simple truths that we see here in this passage. First of all, we're being renewed daily, this passage says. We are being renewed daily. Daily, day by day. The, the easiest words maybe in this passage for any of us to believe today is that our outer self is wasting away. Like that should get some hearty amens. That our, our outer self is wasting away. Like we are getting old, right, Pastor Brian? Right. We are getting old. We feel it more and more every single day. I told you all a couple weeks ago, I used to drive by the basketball court, and I'd be like, man, I want to go get a game in right now. And now I look at the basketball court at the park and say, that looks dangerous. Why would anybody try that? I threw a football a couple weeks ago with a friend, and we were at the park, and we threw football, and like my shoulder and my arm, the nerve pain that my body felt for the next like few days was unbearable. I'm always thinking to myself, is is my knee, is that normal? That catch in my knee, does that, is that normal? This isn't even mentioning the, the squinting and the trouble bending and the painful turning and the slowly getting up. Sometimes Rebecca will say, can you help me do this or that? And I say, yes. And then I just sit there. And she's like, I thought you were going to help. And I'm like, this is part of the process now. There's like a mental process before the physical process, right? So it's really easy for every single one of us right now to believe that our outer self is wasting away. But the harder thing to believe is this gospel reality that we are being renewed day by day. But brothers and sisters, listen, this is just as true. Just as true as your outer body wasting away is the truth that the Lord Jesus is right now doing something in you. He is working in you. We need this eternal perspective that where you might feel like you're wasting away, but the Lord, by his power, for his glory, is working in you. He's renewing you right now. He's remaking you to, to be into the image of Jesus Christ. This is the process of sanctification, where every day from now until you see Jesus, he is making you like Jesus. You are a new creation, the Bible says. The old is gone, the new has come. That means everything that you should be loving, he's making you love again. Everything that you should be obsessed with. He's making you obsessed with again that you would live like and love like you were meant to be before the fall. So how does he do this? Well, the Lord does this when we look away from our suffering 
and we look upon our Savior. When we look away from our suffering and we look upon our Savior, remember a couple weeks ago from chapter 3, verse 18, it says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Remember, we are beholding the glory of Jesus. And as we behold him, we become like him. As we look at Jesus, we start to look like Jesus. So you might not be able to run like you used to. But you should be quicker to repent every single day. You might not be able to see like you used to, but but the beauty of Jesus should be more and more and more beautiful to you every day that you live. You might not be able to walk up stairs quite as quickly as you used to, but you should be walking with, walking close to Jesus and abiding in Jesus moment by moment each day. A few weeks ago, I had the joy of preaching at Heritage Baptist Church in Owensboro, Kentucky. And they're celebrating this month their 50th anniversary. Many of these saints that we were talking to had been there for, since the 70s. So maybe they were really young when the church started back in their 20s or 30s, but now they're in their 70s and 80s. And I took a couple younger Christ Fellowship Brothers with me that night, and one of the biggest impressions gathering with that church that night was the way that these older men were engaged in the prayers. That's what we talked about over dinner when we left, how these older men were, during the middle of the prayer, you heard people mumbling, crying out, Lord, yes, help us. Please, Jesus, help us, meet with us. Do it again, Lord. Do it again among us. And I left begging the Lord that night. Lord, I left asking the Lord to keep growing my affections for Jesus. Keep captivating my attention with the glory of Jesus. Lord, don't allow me to be a grumpy old man that's consumed with politics. A grumpy old man that's consumed with the stock market, that's consumed with Kentucky basketball, that's consumed with a hobby. Lord, let me grow to be consumed with Jesus, to be overwhelmed with Jesus. Let me be like these brothers at Heritage Baptist. Let me be like Dick Bailey, who wants to talk about Jesus and meet with people and talk about Jesus. Though our outer self might be wasting away like a desert, Lord, let our heart be an oasis of Jesus. Don't you want that? What could possibly be better to you than looking more and more like Jesus? This is what the gospel is doing in you right now. It's what the Lord is doing by his power in you right now. Even when you can't see it, he's making you more and more like Jesus, renewing you every single day. The second thing we see is that we're being prepared for glory. We're being prepared for glory. We see this 
in verse 17. the, The verse begins like this. For this light momentary affliction. That doesn't seem very pastoral, Paul. I mean, when you first read that, doesn't that seem a little heartless from the apostle Paul? It seems like he's making light of the beatings that he faced, making light of the stonings, making light of his persecution, of the shipwrecks, of being left cold, of the anxiety he faced for the churches. At the same time, it seems like he's making light of your cancer making light of your hardships that you face at work, making light of the marriage struggles that you're facing, making light of all the pain that you're going through. Maybe you're sitting here this morning thinking, the last two words that I would use for my suffering would be light and momentary. Like I could come up with a whole lot of words to use to how I feel right now. And the last two, maybe on the list at the very bottom, would be light or momentary. Maybe you feel anything, you feel nothing like your pain is light. Maybe it feels really heavy right now, like you can't breathe, like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders. Maybe you feel nothing like like momentary Instead, it feels like this suffering will never end. You see no light at the end of the tunnel. You never know when this will ever be over. So when Paul uses these words, it doesn't seem very pastoral. Seems like he's making our pain not a big deal. But but here's the thing. Paul is not making light of your affliction. Paul is not minimizing what you're going through. Here's our eternal perspective. Paul is not minimizing your suffering. He's maximizing God's glory. I'll say it again. Paul is not minimizing your suffering. He is maximizing God's glory. It's not that your suffering is not heavy. Your suffering might feel really heavy. It's just really light in comparison to the glory of God. Compared to the weight of God's glory, any suffering we go through in this world is a feather in light of eternity. Compared to the everlasting, never-fading, always-breathtaking beauty of Jesus, it is no comparison. In fact, in verse 17, it says that God is using your light momentary affliction to prepare you for his glory. To prepare you for this light momentary affliction, Paul says, is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Here's what Paul's saying. It is doing something. Your pain is productive. You will be more prepared for heaven because of your suffering than you would be without your suffering. Whatever you're walking through right now, it is truly, it truly is for your good from your good, good father. In fact, Charles Spurgeon says, 
If there was any place better for you than the suffering you're going through right now, divine love would have put you there. In fact, we sang it a minute ago in that song, we will cross that great horizon, clouds behind and life secure. And listen to this, and the calm will be the better for the storms that we endure. The calm that we experience, that rest, that blessed hope that we have in Jesus will be the better because of the storms that we endure. I know you don't always feel this way. I don't always feel this way. When we face suffering, when we're in the valley, instead our heart says, what's the purpose of this? This seems pointless. What's God doing right now? He doesn't even care. He must have fallen asleep because he doesn't see me. Brothers, the only thing God is not doing right now is nothing. The only thing God is not doing right now is nothing. And if we could pull back the curtain, and if we could look into our future glory, if we could take our eyes off our suffering and look into heaven right now, our hearts would believe every syllable of the truth that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. All things together for our good. God is preparing all of you to receive and rejoice in all that he is one day in heaven. God is preparing your mind right now to understand him more fully, to grasp him more deeply when we see him. God is preparing your heart right now to receive him with more joy, to receive his love with more gladness when you get there. God is preparing your eyes right now to be in more awe and wonder when you behold his face. Like you will be prepared to rest more fully because of the unrest you experience today. You will have greater lungs to sing of his love all because of the suffering that you experience down here. Like, if you think that you've ever sang, it is well with my soul, like, if you think that you've ever felt while we were singing it together, it is well with my soul, just wait, it'll be nothing compared to your soul's satisfaction when you're looking at Jesus. Your capacity to be satisfied in Jesus in heaven is being prepared through your suffering right now. Maybe the clearest example of this is the gospel. The clearest example of this is the cross, where through Jesus' light, momentary affliction on the cross, he was achieving eternal glory for you. Through his light, momentary affliction, mutilation on a cross, he was preparing you for future glory. What, what looks so pointless and so purpose, purposeless on the cross in the moment was achieving eternal forgiveness for your sins. Was providing for you forever to be with Jesus. Future glory that will never 
end. That's what God is doing right now. That's the eternal perspective that we need, that we are being renewed daily. We are being prepared for glory. And finally, we see we must be looking towards eternity. If this is true for the saints in Christ, then we have to keep our eyes on what's eternal. Listen to verse 18. It says, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. We've got to resist only looking at what's in front of our faces. I mean, as Christians, we have to quit looking at just what is in front of our faces, but we have to look for what is waiting for us. We can't be captivated by, distracted by what's seen now. We must look at what we will see in glory. Captivated by future glory. The hard part, though, is that whatever's in front of us, it seems so permanent in the moment, doesn't it? Like every sin, every idol, everything we can touch, everything that we can watch on every commercial seems so so everlasting. Seems like it's forever. All the advertisements even, even the marketing is calling you to put your hope in stuff like it's forever. Calling you to chase after money like it's going to go on forever and ever. We chase after championships like they'll be remembered forever. We chase beauty like it'll last Forever. We chase possessions like we'll have them forever, like they'll never fade and never rust. We chase health and fitness like our outer selves can last forever and stay like this forever. But Paul says, brothers and sisters, all of this is transient. All of these are fading glories. All of these are fleeting pleasures. Listen, every sin, every idol, everything that you chase outside of Jesus is like trying to climb a rope of sand that's going to slip through your hands. You can't do it. It won't happen. So how do we change our vision? How do we get our eternal perspective for the things of the Lord? How do we look not to what is seen now, but what is unseen? What is, away from what is fleeting to what is forever. Well, first of all, we can just beg the Lord to help us. Lord, help us be captivated by what will be unfading forever. Not the fading glories, not the fleeting pleasures. Lord, help us be captivated only by what will be unfading forever. Lord, let us be captivated by Jesus, a Savior who would live for us and who would die for us and who reigns in heaven right now who we should long to see. There will not be one diminishing aspect of the glory of God in the face of Jesus for all eternity. Think about that. There will not be one day 
where the glory of Jesus, the glory of our Savior shines brighter than another day when we're in heaven. There will not be an overcast day where where the glory of Jesus is more diminished or less glorious. Picture your heart. Take yourself to see him right now in heaven. Every day his love will shine as bright as the day before. Every day his grace will be as astonishing as the day before. Every day his peace will be as restful as it was the day before. Every day his joy will be just as satisfying, just as everlasting as the day before. Listen, church, your suffering has an expiration date, but God's mercy will be new every single morning. The bread of life will never grow stale. The living water will never run dry. Every single day we will wake up beholding the glory of God and never be disappointed. So this morning, we should heed the words of Colossians 3 when it says this. If then you have been raised with Christ. So he's saying if you are a Christian, if you are with Jesus, a follower of Jesus. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above not on things that are the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Seek the things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Look unto Jesus. Because when he appears, when our life, when Jesus appears, our hearts will for the first time see our suffering in 2020. We will see our suffering clearly and we will say, he was doing something. He was preparing me for this. He was getting my heart ready for this moment, for his glory. And brothers and sisters, we will not be disappointed. Not for one second of eternity will you be disappointed with your Savior. Sometimes we need brothers and sisters to remind us of this. We need brothers and sisters to come to our house when all we can see is suffering and remind us that Christ is our hope in life and death. This last week, I was out of town, and I get pictures, pictures from brothers and sisters in this church who went to a family in our church to, to sing Christ is our hope in life and death over a family in the midst of their suffering. And I know there's probably never been a moment where I've been more proud to be the pastor of this church. When brothers and sisters help one another turn their eyes away from things that are fading, turn their eyes away from things that are fleeting, and together to turn our eyes towards Jesus. If we miss this, 
If we miss this, we're missing the glory that we were created for. Brothers and sisters, you were created to be renewed day by day into the image of Jesus. You you are being prepared, whatever you're going through, prepared for the glory that is to come. So brothers and sisters, let us look to Jesus day after day after day. I love running in the cemetery. It's a weird thing about me. But I love running in the cemetery because it's very sobering. It's hard not to think about eternity when you're in the cemetery. And there's an old tombstone the other day that I ran by. The name on the tombstone was John Cherry, who was born in 1856 and who died in 1912. And on this tombstone was the end of Psalm 17 that we read at the beginning of this service. And the word said this, When I awake in his likeness, I shall be satisfied. When I awake in his likeness, I shall be satisfied. Now, I know absolutely nothing about John Cherry's life when he was here on earth. I don't know where he lived, couldn't take you to his home. I didn't know where he worked. I didn't know what hobbies he had. But I know this about his heavenly life. If he is seeing Jesus right now, he is satisfied. If he's beholding Jesus right now, he is not obsessed about what happened in the past. He is beholding his Savior. And he's not discouraged. He's not disappointed. He wasn't let down. He is satisfied with the glory of Jesus. I don't know how you're suffering today. And from your perspective where you're sitting, sitting, it probably doesn't make sense at all. But one day, I promise you, brother and sister, it will. One day it will. So do not lose heart. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would give us eyes, eternal eyes, to see what you see this morning. That though our outer self is wasting away and it's painful, Lord, you are renewing us to look more and more like Jesus to love and adore and to live like Jesus. And though our lives, Lord, are the affliction, the suffering we face feels anything but light and momentary, Lord, help us see that you are producing for us, preparing for us an eternal weight of glory that far surpasses everything we're going through. And so, Lord, this morning, help us turn our eyes from that which is transient, that which is seen to what is seen, away from what is temporary, Lord, to what is eternal. Lord, help us not lose heart, not because of us, but because of Jesus. 
Lord, do this for your great glory and our joy. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.